0: Four Steps to Brainwashing America, and we look at a real-time example of this process playing out right before our eyes. You're listening to The Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how's it going? Great. How are you? Just surviving the hurricane.
1: Did you see the weather forecast for the weekend?
0: Yeah, it's too sunny. So sunny that makes (laughs) me think a hurricane is coming.
1: I noticed the same thing, and since Trump declared Georgia a state of emergency preemptively, I was a little surprised by that.
0: I've been bracing for this hurricane for like a week and a half, and my legs are exhausted. Just
1: hanging on to the banister with all your might while you walk up the stairs.
0: They say, it looks like it's going to turn. It looks like it's going to turn, but you still need to brace yourself. First, we're going to talk about brainwashing, because I look around and I see and people have just kind of lost their minds. Their faces are stuck to their phones. They're flipping out over absolutely nothing. There's no more patience left. We have no more self-control, and we're all kind of collectively losing our minds, and I feel it's a sort of brainwashing going on, and – I want to talk about how that process works. To help us do that, I want to use an interview that you and I have both shared before on social media, and we've talked about a little bit, but we haven't done a deep dive on. It's an interview with a former KGB informant and Soviet journalist named Yuri Bismanov who ultimately defected to Canada and then became a a big anti-communist proponent. He might be delivering a little propaganda in this. This is an interview from 1984. The person interviewing him is the guy who wrote The Creature from Jackal Island, Edward Griffith. Jackal Island, of course.
1: G. Edward Griffith. He's got my – I've got it right here in front of me.
0: Yeah. And even if he is spreading a little propaganda in his own right, what he describes about what's going to happen – is undeniably happening right in front of our eyes, probably has been happening for decades. I want to play some clips for you where he describes the the four stages of subtle, open, in-our-face brainwashing that will go on in America if we do not open our eyes. We're going to see a lot of similarities to today. Again, this interview was from 1984. I'll let him give you kind of a little background on it here with this clip.
2: Only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные мероприятия, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent That despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages.
1: I have some comments already.
0: Comment away.
1: I've always thought that psychology and sociology were both created or hijacked for the purpose of disconnecting your ability to use induction from the world around you and your reason to make conclusions about what's happening. So in psychology, they're like, well, you think this that if you increase welfare, people will stop working and leech off the system. But psychology tells you that people don't really like to do that, that they have low self-esteem when they do that, and that they will be driven by other factors. And similarly with sociology, you're like, well, I would never do that, or that's not how it would work. Well, when you look at the uh, society in general, there is, there are ways where you can deceive yourself or – misinterpret what you would rationally conclude based on these theories of how cause and effect aren't really self-evident. When you observe certain phenomena, it's just a way to get you to disconnect your ability to reason, to use induction, to connect cause and effect. And it disempowers you because you lose confidence. Exactly what he said. You can't defend yourself. You don't know what... What to believe. It's the way fake news works. You don't know what to believe.
0: Yeah. And this process of demoralization, which is something that Laswell, who wrote Propaganda in World War, talks about a lot, confuses, overwhelms. You don't know which way is up or down, and they're able to program into you whatever they want. And this is very much what Vladimir Lenin talked about when he talked about destabilizing a country, which this guy actually goes into in a moment. But that was, to me, a perfect description of what's going on in America, just a brief summary of what we're seeing right now.
1: I think that that guy is definitely onto something and warning us about what we are experiencing. I also think that education is an element
0: Yes, absolutely. He that, goes into that yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah. Does it
1: because they not it's not just that they teach you in a straightforward manner their ideology which is by the way in conflict with the foundation of this country. That's the thing with the socialism and the, and the cronyism. I mean, the Republicans and the Democrats are both far from the constitution. But when people are like, "Oh, you should defend the constitution." It's not like you should read it and defend it cuz that's what the letters say it's that this is the foundational law of our country and it is what to the extent they themselves say there's a social contract that is what we are contracted to that is we all have to be on the same page this is why culture is important you i'm not saying it has to be static or race based or anything or even national boundary based But the reason culture is important is that you need to know the ground rules, like the greatest contribution government is said to make. I'm not even sure it makes any real contribution, but the thing that's most important about government to prosperity as an argument against anarcho-capitalism, for example, I've heard, is that it, it enforces contracts it makes people stick to their agreements and it, you must have that to have growth progress prosperity to be able to build on things you have to know that your efforts will be protected and if you if you don't have a common foundation you can't you can't grow and that actually it's the I think it was. I've, I've read it different ways. One was like an eclectic architecture. One was multiple religions. But these disparities in foundational matters mark the peak of a civilization. Not necessarily the peak in wealth, but the peak in cohesion. And from that point on, you are categorized as a civilization in decline. So, so they bring to the to the school this idea of socialism. They bring to the schools these ideologies that are in complete conflict with with our foundational principles, and even if they are valid ideologies on their own, they are in conflict with our foundational principles, so they are destined to be riddled with, with problems, but it's not just that they teach the kids straightforwardly in that way. They teach them, now it's gotten to the point, I've witnessed it myself, they They teach them what they want them to know and they tell them, they teach them how not to think so that they, and they, and they put them in the state of hysteria, mass shooters and stuff coming in. So they always have them emotionally vulnerable. They have restricted their privacy and they get penalized for, for articulating questions that they have that that do call into question these ideologies that have inherent conflicts and conflicts with our system. They're real questions and they are punished, really punished, ostracized at the least, for asking those questions. And that's and I think that all those things are part of brainwashing. The conflict, the emotionalism, the thought control.
0: Absolutely. It's part of what he's about to talk about in the first step, which is demoralization. I mentioned briefly, mentioned briefly a second ago, and it speaks right to what you were just saying right there.
2: The first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy – Exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism.
1: Are you kidding me?
2: The result? The result you can see. Most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior in other words these people uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible to get rid society of these people you have you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and and, and uh, common common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of of the uh, of the united states society hold
1: on a second what was the triggering part well i mean for me i had just said that exact thing i I mean (laughs) i mean that is just crazy people are gonna think i heard this before i did not i never heard that before i mean i've heard of this guy that's
0: what i'm saying it's so on point that it's unbelievable
1: yeah it's unbelievable exactly but he, there's more to it. Like, how does, you know, how did he escape that thought trap? How did I? And I feel like I, I escaped that. You did. I well, feel like it's there a was long a process. backlash then. What he was talking about right then. I, you're saying that was in the 80s. They were doing that in the 80s. That whole, like Reagan era thing. I don't. I think that was creating conflict. But it was maybe this guy was playing into that, like to get people to kind of lash back. But it's just nuts that what he said because i was thinking to myself i was like is what i'm saying relevant here like i don't know but this is what i think is happening that's just freaky
0: the marxist leninist ideology that he's talking about is progressivism it is the social justice the equality the utopia that is promised and he goes on to talk about that in a minute and the demoralization it's like going up to somebody and saying so and so makes 45 dollars a week And safe at home all the time, while you're over here making fifteen dollars a week and you're risking your life every day because you have been oppressed. It's those types of appeals. That is the demoralization of the person. That's what they're doing. Yeah, it's exactly what they're doing. And that's where the identity
1: stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Because they tried to do it with class that Marxists tried to do with class, but people didn't care enough. They were just like, well, it's like gender. It's like, but that's my husband. That's my mom. Like, what do you mean? Like an age? It's like, but that's my daughter. That's my grandma. Like, what do you mean? But stuff that you, I mean, that's, that only works because we're so far gone, but that's why they had to attack race and stuff, which makes me crazy. I mean, people, they, they pit Americans against Americans, Based on yeah. the color of their skin. And I was just like, they don't need to do that. Like, thats that doesn't make sense. We wouldn't, we share that common foundation.
0: Right. Part of this demoralization process is creating a hopelessness in people.
1: That's what I think about, sorry, but that's what I think when they tell young black, Kids, people, women, even when they, they did that black hair thing, like when you're coming of age and you're a teenager, like everybody's insecure about their hair and everything else. And to say that society is particularly unha- you know, unwelcoming un- of you and it's not your fault and there's nothing you can do about it at all and it's not what everyone experienced. It's just you experienced. Those other people who are doing it to you do not experience it. It's totally demoralizing and disempowering, and that is why I I, I hate it the most.
0: Absolutely, and they cause overwhelming anxiety using these psychological warfare tactics, and they create fear, anxiety, like I said, and anger. And then once they do that, they divert those frustrations to a new hatred, a new target that they can pin all of this stuff at the foot of, and that is Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, it's a scapegoat. It's a classic— Exactly. Well, not a classic. It's like a modern use of the term scapegoat, where they just or transference. You know, like they. Yeah. Wow.
0: This is exactly what is happening with identity politics right now.
1: And this guy, who does he think is behind our system doing that?
0: He answers that question here in a moment. In this clip, he's still talking about the demoralization process here
2: will see in future what the what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice obviously they will revolt they they will uh, they they will be very unhappy frustrated people and the marxist leninist regime does not tolerate these people Uh, they obviously they will join the links of dissenters dissidents uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course.
0: Now what he's saying about the Marxist-Leninist stuff is what, the, what they did, what Lenin, Lenin encouraged them to do, the communist is to shed their communist colors and take the colors of uh, democratic socialists and of progressives and subvert those organizations from the inside out. Promising equality, promising social justice, taking control, co-opting these organizations, wrangling these people under their thumb, and then once they get them under their thumb – because their biggest enemy was not conservatives. Their biggest enemy was was Democrats and was socialists because they have the same target market. So once they take control of these operations, if you don't go under their thumb and do exactly what they say, their dictatorship, then you are purged. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying that they aren't going to like this new America, these people who – when they get this equality that they're being promised, it's not going to be what they think it is and that they are going to be the first ones that are going to be purged, and they're not going to be allowed to speak up or be a a dissident like people are… Now in America, but right Right. now we can see when there was freedom, exactly. But no,
1: so back then he was saying you are free to, yes, to say this stuff because you don't have the system that you're ushering in, exactly. But the fact that he said, like, dissent is not going to be tolerated. I mean, dissent is not tolerated, and dissent, right? Dissent is the throwback to the time that he's talking about. Like, Jane Fonda was the dissenter, now they won, and now the dissent are the people who want to restore the principles that allowed her to dissent and that's the dissent that's being suppressed it's really it it reminds me of this this uh internet the website that somebody sent me called the white earth do you see this the white earth it's like if the if you had an ice age so bad that there was no green not like one sprout of green there would be no turning back the Earth would never, ever, ever recover because the white would reflect all the sunlight. You have to have photosynthesis to start the heat and all that. And I just feel like if 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 descent is completely quashed, you can't you can't ever come back from that.
0: Yeah, and may-
1: maybe it will keep budding anew. Like you know, the the desire to be free. I don't know, but.
0: They tend to squash it before wars, definitely. It's definitely being squashed right now. There can be two, like you said, the dialectic on each side, but there cannot be too much talk of the things that undermine the narrative as a whole, that question the basic assumptions of the narrative, and it's very much being squashed right now. And and progressives, if you're listening, and I doubt you are, I doubt you're (laughs) listening at all, this is not something that's made up. This is not just because people don't – you know, they want to fight ide- ideologically with the other side. This is really the progression of what happened with Lenin Marxism that they pretend to be on your side, they co opt the organization, they promise you the world, they promise you utopia. And then once they take control, you either do what they say or you get purged. You're the first ones to get purged.
1: But this all goes back to me looking at Stacey Abrams' resume. Yeah. She's an agent of this, yes, of she this is. power. definitely. And when you look at what that is, I mean, it's the State Department. It's the Council of Foreign Relations. It's Kissinger was one of the people she mentored. You know, one of his, that Yukos oil thing that was infiltrating Russia and influencing their elections. These institute, these international think tanks. I mean, these are not grassroots organizations these are the people who are plotting you send you you play these clips for us from the brookings institute or institution whatever it's called and they're plotting on how to manipulate us to get us to do things like accept 5g total surveillance yeah. regardless of the the health consequences or the psychological consequences of total surveillance so that's who's that That is that is the person—like, those are the people who are leading this right now. I don't know about Jane Fonda, but I know I've read Stacey Abrams' resume. You're
0: dead on. Stacey Abrams is an agent of this. She has been since she was a kid. And
1: what I noticed about her and AOC and other people who are now, like, the only ones who's so like, oh, you're you've got all these people who are from the 60s who are running the show. Now we only have people who are generated by these— talented student programs or these these institutions with the great credentials ivy league stuff or whatever and they and they have all these organizations that i always that are like identity based and i always thought that it really was like hand up thing like it was just trendy to have affirmative action or whatever and in fact i believe it's actually sinister that they that they do that and so they can place their agents in, you know, infiltrate any genuine grassroots organization that wants to help people of their own communities yeah. or, you know, like that's how, that's how it's, that's how it works. That it's actually quite sinister. It's how they try and to win what, the
0: trust of these different and groups. And
1: it's what you're saying, like go out and go to these other groups and turn them Right? Isn't that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, you send someone in that appears to be one of them, one of us, one of us, somebody you identify with, somebody you trust more than anybody else, and they speak your language, they look like you, they talk like you. They have to look
1: like you. If it's identity-oriented, they have to look like you. They
0: are the person that says everything you want them to say, the ones that are good anyway, and that's how people let their guard down. And I have a book that Laswell wrote that goes through these regimes, these dictatorships, Nazi- the communist, and it goes through the leaders, and it shows that none of them came from what they claimed to come from. None of them were what they claimed to be when they won the when they won the power of the people. They really? were not the person they were. Yeah, really? they came from different classes. So they appeared, they acted like they were from the lower class when in reality they were from the middle class or a higher class. And it's always the same thing. They're created people just like we've talked about, and they're playing a role to win over these – to mobilize these groups of people, and they're not really the person that they tell these people that they are. It's a really interesting book.
1: Well, it definitely is, it applies to what we're seeing.
0: It made everything we talk about about the created people kind of like go, wow, they've been doing this for a long time. This been-
1: oh, What is the name of the book?
0: I have to look at. I can put in the show notes. I don't have it in front of me right now. Laswell's books are Yeah, real... I couldn't
1: believe when you told me how long he's been churning that stuff out. Yeah. And I found it very interesting in the book that you gave me of his the National Security and and Freedom or something that that the sponsors of the book were the it read just like just like the board or the governing body of the World Economic Forum, just the heads of all these, of the biggest companies in the world. And that points out, like, you can be left or right or libertarian or socialist or any of that. You can blame corporate, or I shouldn't say libertarian socialist, Democrat or Republican. The Democrats will blame the corporations for everything and the government will blame, the Republicans will blame the government for everything, but they're, they're working hand in hand with each other. They are, they they control these think tanks. The think tanks control the government. The government gives the handouts to the corporations, but the people in government themselves, look at all the corruption in Atlanta. They're doing it themselves. They're, they're, they're and even the CEOs of these companies who aren't really the biggest shareholders, they're politicians half the time. They might become the biggest shareholders, but it's this continue the gover- corpo governmental continuum.
0: Yes. <laughs> this one is him talking about, the effects of this demoralization, of this brainwashing.
1: Most of
2: it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, Even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he he is going to receive a kick in the in his fat bottom when a military boot crashes his. Then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization.
1: Now I do remember hearing this guy before. It's it's uncanny. I mean, it's yeah. You it's said weird. a second
0: ago, Americans doing it to Americans. And he says what is so true right now, facts no longer matter. It doesn't matter the information. It doesn't matter yes. if you see it.
1: I, it reminds me of Larry Pratt to Piers Morgan. Facts just bounce right off your head, don't they? <laughs> I mean, they do. I mean, it's nuts. And, of course, we have this whole thing. Facts are facts, but truth is truth. And I coined that. I coined that in the, on the heels of the Starbucks thing where he said – Uh, rules are rules, but right is right. And now people are actually, I didn't coin it. I anticipated. I mean, I did, but I anticipated that's where they were headed. Facts are facts, but truth is truth. You know what I'm saying? Like you think people are actually saying that now and that I, you know, they were saying before, but I, I just saw that progression being set up.
0: Yeah, it's the Joe Biden story we're seeing right now where Joe Biden is allowed to lie because when he lies, (laughs) he's still telling the truth, a greater truth, while Trump, if he gets a detail wrong, he's evil. That's the narrative that's coming out of that right now. Now he goes on to talk about the next step, which is destabilization.
2: The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense an economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast.
0: I'm not exactly sure what he means by the Marxist-Leninist effect on the defense, but for the economy, I believe he's talking about social we- welfare programs, economic Yeah, it would have to be, yeah. Because basically it's a socialist system. Well,
1: the the number one program is Social Security. Yeah. That's a huge amount of the federal budget.
0: And this is 84 that he's talking about that.
1: See, and the problem with it is it's actually – I saw this. Somebody mention it in passing, like how Social Security destroys families because parents and children don't have to live together forever anymore. So they don't have to respect each other anymore. So they can just move away and – they don't have to raise their kids to take care of them because they've paid in. So it's highly destructive to society. Just like welfare that you give to a single mom that you won't give to a married mom.
0: Well it feeds in, destroys. Yeah, it feeds into the demoralization to the learned helplessness that we were talking about a little while ago where you feel hopeless, and that your only way out is if the government gives you welfare.
1: Well, that's another, that's another thing that that's like the next step is that the dependency then arises when you've broken all the ties of your community that kept that from happening, and that yeah, I think yeah. they used to use war for that. My mother was pointing out how in World War II they just destroyed like most small town America by taking all the the sons away, and they never went back. And then I think they do that now with college. They why why does everyone leave at eighteen and you pay for them to go? You pay for another home, like you pay for them to have an apartment.
0: You pay four years to to
1: not live with you.
0: Professors tell your children probably the exact opposite things
1: of, of what you want, and then and on top of it, your. Your t- you can't actually even afford a whole nother home. Like you've got, you have to think about that. Like if your kid wanted to move out or you wanted to move out from your spouse or whatever, you have to think about that. Like I would have to set up a whole nother household. So we are just automatically knee jerk doing that when the kid is 18, setting up a household for them that we can't afford, which is why we have to borrow the money so that they can leave you find someone uh, somewhere else to live with somebody who does not live near you or they would not all be at this far away place and uh, and brainwash you, like what you're talking about.
0: That's what it talks about as part of the demoralization process. Laswell talks about this. Lenin talked about this in his organizing books. Separating people from their traditional influences. And yes,
1: their and leaders. their communities. They. It's all about getting people to be dependent on the outside, which I think a lot of this immigration is. It it destroys. It destroys the, the host. It destroys the donor as much as the host. Like, they're taking people out of these other countries and bring them here. You know what I mean? It's just destroying all the cultural. They're taking the best people, actually. They're taking the working-age people.
0: I don't know if anybody has watched Netflix's Daredevil. I'm sure that you haven't. Spoiler. It's been on for a while, though, so. (laughs)
1: Okay.
0: In Daredevil, there's somebody who becomes a villain named Bullseye. And Bullseye is an FBI agent at the beginning of the show. And – He's crazy already, but what keeps him at least a little bit stable and under the kind of not, not yet a criminal is that he has his North Star, which is this woman that he's obsessed with. Now, you don't really realize that she doesn't like him back until later, but she is his North Star. She is the reason that he has some sort of stability. Kingpin… … wants to control <laughs> Bullseye because Bullseye is a deadly weapon. He can take a knife or any weapon and, and ricochet it off a building and you know take somebody out from uh, 100 yards away with his ability to throw things. And Kingpin wants to control him. The way to control him is he removes this woman from the situation… He doesn't realize it's Kingpin that does it, but by removing her from the situation, that destabilizes him. He doesn't have anything to guide him, so Kingpin steps in and takes control of his mind. Right. It's a that's, lot like I that. think
1: that's a classic, like, typical kind of brainwashing thing where what cults do,
0: yeah, I right. think,
1: are, are they – they certainly tear down your existing relationships and replace them with their own.
0: Yeah. It that's is like That's interesting. A
1: that's a lot to absorb.
0: He goes on to talk about the crisis and the change of the power structure, which we are not at yet, but we can see we can see pieces of this, I think, around the world in other areas. And if we're not careful, this could be something that it eventually comes to.
2: Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with uh, benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not.
1: <laughs> so he was a Reagan guy.
0: Not yeah, not a Walter Mondale fan.
1: <laughs> was not Walter Mondale running against Reagan that year? I don't know. He not was. It, I, it was 1980. It was Carter versus Reagan, and 84 was Mondale, who I think was Carter's VP, running against Reagan in 84.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's funny. A- it
1: was very reminiscent of the Reagan era counter counterculture. Really? Yes, I remember it. <laughs>
0: I think people both on the left and the right could listen to this stuff and both say yes, kind of like <laughs> we are, and both say that it's happening just to the other side and i think that's i don't know where the last stuff trouble
1: the la- when he was saying the stuff about i don't know I felt like
0: Promises of utopia.
1: All that stuff, I think, totally describes the left. Absolutely. But
0: they would say that it describes Trump. That does
1: happen. Yeah, they do. Well, Trump is not – Trump is a personality. He's not an ideology.
0: So here he's talking about capitalist role in this problem, and this gets really interesting to me because of the trade war right now with China because you could replace the word Russia in this clip with China, and it would really ring true right now.
2: If we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen, they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon. If they don't stop it, they cannot curb the unsettled desire for profit. And if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism, they are going to hang very soon.
0: It's just interesting because we're at trade war with China, who is the communist threat right now. As opposed to Russia being the communist threat back then, and we're no longer trading with them. And some people think we should not trade with them anymore because we shouldn't empower their communist economy.
1: Well, hold on. That's very interesting that all this stuff, all this socialism stuff associated with the Democrats this time around, which is just – to me it's completely meaningless since both parties are pretty much socialist. It's yeah. social democracy, English-style English, social, English style social democracy. Democracy. That they don't actually point to China as this as the red menace. They I know. really don't. And, and people might say we shouldn't trade with them, but they're very way too late to that party.
0: Yeah. I'd say that they've got their hands.
1: And actually, although my parents absolutely refuse to buy things from China because boycotts are voluntary. People can do it if they want to, even though it's kind of late. I am not a fan of I think I'm with Ron Paul. My parents are like, Nixon should not open China up. And I actually don't really agree with that. I think maybe Ron Paul's right where it's not the government's decision with whom we should trade. Where they went wrong with China is that they made China the most favored nation, like a most favored nation trading status, whereas other places like Taiwan did not have that. So they propped up China while uh, putting up barriers to other countries, and that- That was what gave China the ability to get critical mass.
0: And that's what it sounds like he's talking about.
1: Oh, well, why? How? I mean, I can't really figure out how Reagan managed to destroy the Soviet Union. They did it on purpose. Thatcher, the Pope and Reagan, I think through Poland, basically put a leak in the dam that broke the whole thing. But I just don't know if that was a rogue action. It's hard to believe because it's hard to believe that Reagan wasn't basically working for them. Although they did try to shoot him and that got him in line. Uh, But he might have been just one of those people like JFK, Nixon, maybe even Ford. They took a couple of shots at him and Reagan where they were insiders, but they were just too independent, perhaps.
0: I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Soviet Union never fell. It just went underground. Hmm. That is part of the Leninist strategy is when your ideology, your communist ideology or whatever it is you're pushing is no, no longer acceptable in the world stage politically. Then you shed your colors, you go underground, and you use covert means until you can slowly but surely legitimize it again. And then once you have legitimized it again, then you reemerge.
1: You know who I think does that? What you just described absolutely perfectly. What? The British Empire.
0: There's another one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not speaking
1: Russian, right? They're not, you know, they're not. That's a good point. It, 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 Russian is not the lingua franca.
0: I do think that the British are behind uh, a lot of things as well, especially the Russian interference. Now, here he's going to tell us who is behind it. This was back then, obviously.
2: United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic. Principles and the foundations of, of this system. Mm-hmm. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you.
0: See, uh, he said the world Wait. communist system. I
1: want to hear the rest. Oh, He, he was had, just going to tell us who, who was behind it.
0: No, that was it, the world communist system. The next question that comes in after that is— Oh, because
1: I just bought a book called The Andropov File. I don't even know why, but yeah. I think it's what he's talking there's about.
0: There's a longer version of this interview. It's like an hour, and there's also like an hour and a half video of him teaching some of these tactics. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, I can put the links in the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Here is, now, here's what to do about it, which you already answered this question right at the very beginning. There
2: must be a very strong— national effort to educate people in 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 the spirit of real patriotism number 1 number 2 to to explain them the real danger of socialist communist whatever welfare state big brother government if people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development nothing ever can help united states you make his goodbye to your freedom including freedoms to to homosexuals to prison, inmate, all this freedom will vanish, evaporating in five seconds, including your precious lives.
0: Education. <laughs> and Stacey Abrams wants to get them from mm-hmm.
1: cradle the to career cradle
0: to career. That's right.
1: And your podcast, America, does not Pod Save America? Pod whatever, Save don't America. they want zero? They want people to vote oh, at zero. They want people cr- to vote at
0: zero, <laughs> which we're going to see some of that in these, these ah. next these examples I'm about to show you. Stacey Abrams, by the way, Her cradle-to-career thing does not originate from her. It originates from, I believe, the United Nations. I found some documents where they have been pushing that plan for a long time, and it's just starting to be echoed over here just like these climate change policies that we're – people are probably already hearing right now because it is 7 o'clock, and we're two hours into the marathon climate change event (laughs) that CNN is hosting.
1: What a nightmare. I can just see – I can, like, see into a future where, like – we're having – you see, like, Stacey Abrams – because I just think of her as, like, she's – I guess she's not running for president. I don't know. I'm giving her till November 3rd. But if she's not, then she's, like, kind of running for president of the world. Like, yeah. first president, like, where the secretary general of the UN is not just a figurehead as a real thing with power. And I just have this image of, like, a dystopian science fiction movie where she's speaking to a crowd of uh, – Like, millions. I I was at Desert Trip, which was this, like, Coachella for old people. And the guy, and it was, like, The Who, The Stones, Bob Dylan. It wasn't Pink Floyd. It was Roger Waters. It was just, like, an insane lineup. Neil Young. And they sold so many tickets. I had great seats, and I was still just watching the Jumbotron. I think there were 90,000 people there at least, and I and I just have this vision of like you just never saw so many people of just Stacey Abrams up there. Her face giving
0: appears, a, everybody gets quiet.
1: Yes, yes. And you know, maybe she's got a uniform on. <laughs> There's some flags behind her. definitely
0: has some sort of imperial
1: uniform on. And I just I just think that that we're really being set up to be led in this way, like, well, I should say what you're doing to me right now, Binkley, is scaring me. <laughs> you're scaring me. You and it doesn't have kids. to be Stacey Abrams, but just she seems to have the power, the charisma, or or the imprimatur. They're, they've picked her. They've chosen her, it seems like. Or they probably chose several people. AOC, I mean, she is definitely destined for something mm-hmm. bigger than even where she is. But, like, they just, I think they... I think they are setting up these pied pipers.
0: If Trump wins, and I can't imagine a circumstance where he doesn't because both sides get rich. It just not such
1: a such a valuable asset. Yeah.
0: Both sides get rich. He's a polarizing thing. They they would have to create another demon if he lost. And they why why do that when you already have that there?
1: Yeah, so, Jeff Zucker definitely wants him to win.
0: Yeah. If he does win, then the leader of the nationwide resistance will become Stacey Abrams because it will be voter suppression. It will be The leader of the
1: agitation. Right. And that could
0: lead to a destabilization plan, which could lead to your world president type thing. I could see that happening. I could see that being in the plan anyway. I don't know if that would really happen. It might be a bit dramatic. Uh, it might
1: not be necessary. I right. mean, that's the other thing is that if you look at the stuff that they do, if you look at 5G or Obamacare, like Obamacare was a legislative press, process, 5G supposedly or judicial or whatever. 5G is a is an administrative regulatory process. Solar radiation management, they're not even telling us it's real. So they, they can do, it seems to me, if, when they print money. They're not asking us about that. It seems like they, especially with the digital herd and everything, they just might be able to do whatever they want. Well, yeah, like Twitter. These things are – they've taken the public square and they've made it private so that you don't have rights anymore. And I just – I feel like they might not have to have an overt revolution yeah. or a real person standing there with real people. And Not to mention that nutty thing with the AI where they – The reason Google was created was to identify birds of a feather around people based on their searches, which I guess is the most powerful insight into your mind they could conceive of. And then if they can develop AI to make you think that there are other people around, it it doesn't – you each individual could think that Stacey Abrams or whoever they want up there is speaking to 90,000 people, and it's nobody but you.
0: Yeah, and there's no better way to create a passive – distracted, anxious population than screen time, than social media, than all these things. We can't, take, we can't fight back against global world powers when we're anxious every time a thing dings on our phone and we're constantly distracted. It's a perfect tool of mass control and division. So to lay out an example, a little bit Dude, of an example. Dude, I'm totally
1: depressed now. No, don't be
0: depressed. <laughs> There's nothing to be depressed of It's good to know. It's not having something
1: against Stacey Abrams. I'm trying to say, like, they might, she might, they might deep fake her at that point where they just have right. her image up there and it's not even her. Look, I'm
0: just knowing these things is empowering because it. it It's interesting to see how the psychological process works, and it gives you – it enables you to empower yourself and to empower people that you know individually, and that's what everybody can do is they can empower the people around them. They can have conversations with people, thinking about it as a big chunk of a global – you know, demon to fight at once or an enemy, it's not practical. And everybody has flaws too. So even people at the top, they have their flaws. And the fact is we do live in a country where we're able to accomplish things and do things that we want for now while there, there are processes working on that. But we still do have a lot of individual power. So, so look at knowing this stuff as, as a strength, as a source of empowerment, as seeing through the con game and kind of smiling because you know what they're trying to do. And you can well, help. that's
1: all it would take. I mean, if everybody were awake, it would be over. Right. You can't – it doesn't work that way. It's yeah. all about – that's why they care so much. That's why they're doing all this. That's why they, they made Google. That's why it is all digitized. That's why they knew knowledge attacks tax Roy more. It's because they, they really, really need our consent or acquiescence. Absolutely. They need it. It must – they must have it.
0: And that's why we get excited about – about helping ourselves by learning and <laughs> oh, helping Oh, I just came up. Eyes. It's always exciting to me when my a friend of mine total liberal progressive and I've gotten to talking to a few of my friends like this and they have started to question things more. and That's exciting to me. I, they don't have to agree yeah. with me, but the fact they're questioning I'm like, yeah, that it, that gets me excited.
1: Okay, well if they're doing that then I'm excited yeah. too. And I did just read an article or a headline that said the 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 power of positive thinking can actually change your life, your world. Not that that's news really to can. you.
0: Change your thoughts. Change your thoughts. Control your thoughts. Control your life is what a yeah. okay. improv teacher used to tell me. All right. So climate change hysteria has been going on. Especially today and definitely the past few months, every story has either been directly or indirectly related to climate change. And (laughs) The purpose of all of this is – was leading up to this CNN climate change town hall where all 10 candidates that are remaining are going to be delivering their talking points to their various different audiences. But the real purpose of this is to serve the UN Sustainable Goals climate change agenda, and there's on September 23rd a climate action A climate action event in New York for the United Nations where they're going to be trying to get the United States to get back into the Paris Agreement, and they're going to be trying to cause the public to pressure their leaders to do something about this catastrophe before we all die, before our grandchildren die, stop ruining the planet. So that's what this is. This is a bigger agenda global agenda that's being pushed these are not the words of these of these candidates that are up there and i would like to i would like to play some clips from a panel discussion from one of my favorite think tanks the chatham house the international institute of royal affairs one of the most powerful think tanks on the planet and this is an event that they had where they were discussing the the role of civil disobedience in expediting the process of Making people take action to stop the climate catastrophe, the, the impending doom that we're all facing. And this really gives you some insights into some of the things that we see people, some of the activism that we see here in America, some of the things we might see. And, and gives you a peek inside the thinking of some of these climate activists and activists in general, just the resistance activists. This first clip is – this is a 19-year-old speaking at the at the Chatham House okay remember the young people thing this is a 19 year old her name is Days aha and she's a 19 year old climate activist who ran to be a member of the European par- Parliament and she's a member of the e- extinction rebellion extinction rebellion is like the it's kind of like the resistance the indivisible group but for the UK and it focuses specifically on environment and climate one of their tactics that they like to do is they super glue themselves to buildings. <laughs> what is that? Super glue yourself to a building demanding more power. I don't know if I want to give any power to somebody super gluing themselves to a building. How do they
1: get food? Like not just super glued but like what – don't they have jobs to go to?
0: No. This is why they or get they're...
1: people in the middle class. They actually
0: talk about that. They're in this panel discussion. Is they get people – they get kids who don't need money, have their parents' money.
1: That's Probably what, students where you're paying for their apartments. It's exactly what
0: it is. It's students. They don't, you don't see a lot of poor people who are full time activists because they got to go get food. They got to make money, you know? All right. Here in this first clip, she's talking about what it means to be a rebel and the role of civil disobedience in pushing the climate agenda.
3: When, like, the IPCC report is saying we've got 11 years to do something, it places emphasis on we can't wait for the politicians to be, like, this is what we'll give you. We have to be, like, you guys are not taking care of us the way that we have agreed through things like the social contract. And now that that is void, we are going to rebel. And that's why I think civil disobedience is the way forward at this point.
4: And what does
3: rebellion mean in that context? Rebellion means causing havoc. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's essentially just making sure that it's a very visible form of protest. So obviously I understand the rebellion was annoying for loads of people, and that was not the intent to annoy average people. But it was to really make the government realize people are prepared to put their civil liberty at stake for this, and that's how important it is.
1: But it does bother regular people. That's the whole point.
0: Yeah. A couple of things there. They're willing to put their civil liberties at stake for this activism. So they're.
1: They want to go to jail.
0: Right. And I think that also speaks to we're willing to give up our civil liberties for whatever climate laws you're going to put in. I I think that's what she's talking about also.
1: Oh, yeah. Because actually, liberty is going. Giving up your liberty is going to jail. Giving up your civil liberty is beyond that.
0: Right. And she also said that. And she's talking about the adults, the older people. She's the young person. She's the AOC. She's talking about you have violated the social contract, and this is where they get into this brain control of children who don't know any better. Is They presume – they just drill it into their heads that there's a presumption that fighting the climate catastrophe that's going to kill us, that the older people caused is part of the social contract. It shouldn't be questioned. And if they're not fighting it, then we must rebel. We must break the law. We must staple ourselves to buildings, whatever. So programming children to think that it's not even in question that society should be fighting this catastrophe that was caused by their elders. This is another way to separate children from, from older people too is to blame the older people on the problems of the world, and say that if you're not going to solve it, us kids are going to break the law, and we're going to do it ourselves, kind of like David Hogg and them are always talking about at their rallies. Trust the young people.
1: I, um, I, a couple of years ago, I was I remember, I've said this before, I've got to find the clip, I knew that the, or I speculate the age dialectic would come up because it was just an untapped dialectic. But, but people, don't, real communities aren't segregated by age. It makes no sense to have age against age,
0: no. and what? it's yeah. upside
1: down anyway yeah, it's, because right. it's not like people get evil when they get older. They just get experience.
0: That's the thing I've noticed about the climate debate since I've been researching it the past couple of weeks. It is very much this dialectic of young versus old while guilting the old into thinking it's their fault and making the young angry at the old, causing them to engage in dangerous activism. It's also black against white. Because they frame it in the context of disparaging communities with, of people of color. They had whole Brookings Institute discussion on this that Stacey Abrams was involved with, have been affected a lot more than yeah, white people. Yeah, I've so seen they, that from a few different They have angles. all these different angles where they pit mm-hmm. groups of people in society so against crazy. each other. It's crazy. It's, it's divide and conquer.
1: My daughter and I were sitting around in a hotel lobby. We went to France briefly for a little vacation. Tagged along on my husband's business trip, and uh, they, th- some kids, some like American kids, came up to us and said, "We're doing a survey." So, like, they were clearly on a class trip, yeah. And they were doing it, you know, what a scam! Oh, we're doing a survey. Like, did you pick this hotel because of their sustainability and their greenness, <laughs> right, right? So, they're asking me this question. Yeah. My daughter's like rolling her eyes, like, no, "Oh my gosh, yeah. please, not my mom." So I said, hey, I don't think about that stuff at all because as long as there are wars for oil or as long as we have problems in Crimea or Syria for gas, as long as we are killing people to make fossil fuels cheaper until they're gone, we're going to have pollution, plastic. This is what you said to these kids? Yeah, yeah. I said, I'm not even judging that. I'm just saying don't waste my time with – Brown toilet paper instead of white toilet paper. Just get get yourself a picket sign and say end the war. Like we can all agree on that, and that would do more for the environment than me inconveniencing myself by paying more for a hotel that doesn't wash my towels. That's that, yeah, yeah.
0: That's interesting that the kids came up to you because children are leading this global climate change debate. They have they weren't
1: a- children; they were they were teenagers.
0: Teenagers and children. They talk about ten-year-olds yes. in yeah. it here in a second. Yeah. Are so the my, face. Sit, but my
1: daughter was there, and she said, so they were actually taking like, survey, like they were writing answer, my answers down, like they were a different page for every person they talked to. Then my daughter's like, I care about the environment. I get what <laughs> you're saying. I agree with you all the way. And then like they would say their talking points, and my daughter would chime in, and, and he's like, yes, yes, you know. Like curling light bulbs. So sure. there was definitely, she's she wanted to fit in with her peer group. That's part of it. By parroting that stuff, even though, and she has said to me, because she's smart enough to say, I don't care if you're right, not about that, but about other stuff. I don't care about what, whether you're right. I just want people to like me, which is a good sign because that seems age appropriate. And the fact that she's aware of it means that she'll. Pro- I think it's possible she'll grow out of it quicker when she realizes it's not worth it.
0: I think she probably will. They say that kids tend to rebel against their parents' politics when they're younger and then kind of come back around to them.
1: Well, a caller once told me, wait till she has a baby or gets a paycheck and go. sees what, what this this is really doing to her.
0: All right, so this clip I think is going to be if it's clear, sir so her uh, accent is kind of uh challenging. But mind you, this video has been up for 2 months has 150 views. 150. Chat So no- nobody knows. Nobody's seen this. Hidden
1: in plain sight. Right.
0: And this is, you know, most powerful think tank in the world. This is a woman named Farhana Yemen. She's in This is how they introduced her as an internationally renowned lawyer on environmental issues. And she works for the World Economic Forum, works with them, advising rich people on how to look at and talk about the climate. That was her introduction. She's talking about here how civil disobedience is kind of just the beginning and how it has to go beyond civil disobedience. Pay close attention to what her suggestion of the type of government is that needs to come next.
4: It's not enough just to be out in the streets and to – you know be engaged in civil disobedience. I sort of needed a rule-based alternative. Um, to, uh, extinction Rebellion really have elevated... Uh, The understanding of new deliberative democracy that we need. So they've promoted and championed the concept of citizens' assemblies, which are formal, you know, Athenian democracy, basically, as Michael Gove in his meeting, Aha! went, yes, Athenian democracy, that's what you're promoting in citizens' assembly. And they're sortition-based, citizens chosen by lot, who then decide on the basis of expert advice available to them uh, what should be done and i feel that that is a very important compliment that needs to supplement um, our, our political system which has been unable to put forward uh, and act on the interests of our nation let alone the interests of the planet let alone the interests of you know young young people like days who will bear the consequences
0: Mind you, Days ran for office. She was a young person who ran for office, a young person with a lot who will be surrounded by experts who will control her.
1: Right. I was like, she lost me at Puppet Masters. Right. You know? Exactly. She's like, you know, it's like people that it's Athenian, it's democratic, you know, and just give them their puppet masters, which is Platonic. It's Plato, not Aristotle, where he wants the philosopher king. She's just saying the philosopher kings with they under the mask of democracy that is so telling
0: this is exactly what indivisible and them are trying to do in america where they're encouraging all these young people yeah to don't ask for office.
1: The, vote for the incarcerated it doesn't matter if you right. like the person that's what jill biden was saying it doesn't matter if you like them but let me say when she's talking about they have to bear the burden of what we have done to them the burden there yes. is absolutely no doubt is debt Debt is the burden that we have bestowed upon them. And I'll tell you what else. This puts your foot on the gas pedal to spend money, borrow money, give out welfare, create the consumer society, build infrastructure. I'm not saying the new Green Deal stuff, but like just these are the people who have been proponents of all of the stimulative measures of American society for decades. And that is the stuff that. That is unsustainable. If you actually have, if you, if you do not subsidize debt, if you do not make decisions from a centralized place that doesn't care at all about the cost of things, you perforce it's sustainable because you can only spend what you have. You can only consume what you produce. It's this monetary nonsense that makes overspending a reality. Yeah, and, and that is going to be a burden to the. It's going to be bad. Like when I looked at those charts after Jerome Powell had that Jackson Hole thing, I did it. I did a WSB show, and I, I like I. It's still in my mind. I cannot get the chart out of my head. That like we are overdue for a recession, and our interest rates should be at like seven or ten percent, and they're at two and a half. So I'm not saying I think they should be at seven or ten percent. I'm just saying the model. Their model cannot work soon. <laughs> it's right. Well,
0: you know, meanwhile, they're teaching children that it's just normal that we need to spend, you know, thirty trillion dollars fighting a climate well, catastrophe. They
1: will get they will get their inflation at this rate. And here's the thing so yeah, they will. They will just say there's no money left. There's, everybody's broke, so we just have to print the money.
0: Right. This is a quick one of her talking about gluing herself to a building.
1: Like, no litigation problem. takes a
4: lot of time. We need litigation. So litigating against Shell is absolutely necessary. But actually, I felt even maybe Shell executives would listen more if I glued myself to their building and said, please stop. Um, and that's a much faster, quicker route. And that's what civil disobedience is all about, is making that slightly shorter connection.
1: I absolutely disagree with that. I think that—
0: You don't think the- throwing a tantrum as a 65-year-old woman, gluing yourself to a building, is not a, a way to a good way to do things?
1: Hey, man, I, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. <laughs> I would have my own security. But she's a, a proponent of centralized use of force. The cops should surround her. Nobody needs to see it. Pour some nail polish remover on her and— It's done. I got to say, they should
0: be advertising this glue if it can hold your body (laughs) up against a building. It will
1: rip her skin off. Like, they just, I mean, she's the one who's going to have the problem. (laughs) She's not going to pull that building down.
0: Glue that will fix your wood and hold your child up against the side of a building. (laughs) All right, that Uh, young woman again, the the, the 19-year-old, she's talking about lessons that she has learned. Because she's worked with activists around the world in propagating this climate message they've been i mean this is a war, this is a global phenomenon going on right now and she is telling of what she's learned from a group of activists from mexico that she worked with kind of a shocking clip
3: the two partner groups i work with the most is XR youth germany and XR youth mexico and mexico is one of like is one of the most dangerous places to defend the climate and we learn so much by the courage that they have to put themselves out as young people, the youngest in that group being 13, to really put themselves in actual life and death danger because of the climate. So it's like there's so much of an exchange that the UK can learn from other places.
1: Okay. I mean, some people would, you know, they would sharply intake
3: their breath at that, that someone of 13 was putting themselves in danger. I mean,
1: you know one might feel that,
3: that that was going a bit far yeah 100 because obviously that, that is something like we tell them it's like you know this is very dangerous but um when i spoke to him and told him that like this is really dangerous there's a climate activist that dies every week in mexico um and he said it's come to a point where i can't stand and sit there and do nothing anymore And I feel like the fact that young people have been pushed to the edge of where that's happening in um, our Extinction Rebellion group, the youngest is 10. So it's like these kids have been pushed to the extent of they're just like, we cannot take this anymore. And I think that's almost more reason the government should do something, because it shouldn't be our place. I should be a typical 19-year-old going clubbing, and I'm not.
1: (laughs) This is crazy. It's like the... it's like the vaccine stuff where the truth of it, like the debating the truth of it isn't – is just morally unacceptable.
0: It's ch- It's holding children hostage. Her answer yeah. is, well, yes. well, the old people yes. messed it up, so we're going to put yes. 10-year-olds in harm's way. And it's your
1: fault that exactly. we're doing this bad thing. I, I posted something – I tweeted something earlier about an article I read. It was Down Syndrome Drag Collective Banned Over Ethical Concerns. So – there, were, In Michigan, there was a an acting troupe or an actor guy who got people with Down syndrome together and made them drag kings and queens, so had them cross-dress and all that, yeah. and got them all excited about it, told them they were going to be stars. I could see... I mean, I can tell in the way the kids were talking, like, how their perception of it. And uh, the guy who was, like, the person owned the venue just would not allow it. He said, it's unrelated to the content or why, you know, this is a political statement, what they're doing. And it says, quote, the involvement of individuals whose ability to act of their own volition is unclear, raises serious ethical concerns that I cannot reconcile. It was very well put. And you really, I mean, power of the word. He really did a good job at articulating. And I knew because my son was caught up in gun politics last year, gun control politics, at school, and he has Down syndrome, and there, you know, the first he was a Parkland protester, and then he was in ROTC all of a sudden. So he doesn't. He was absolutely incapable of understanding what he was doing, why, what factors to consider, and at and a ten-year-old who clearly is under a lot of moral pressure here, who knows what the circumstances? Especially very poor people, who knows how they're enticing these kids to be in their club it's seriously ethically not right and and you got to wonder if they seem to want to take the moral high ground on the climate change issue but is there no what why is the earth more important than human beings and if it isn't then isn't ethics and morality what you're talking about here
0: yeah that's the question that i had about a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, she said, I told him that he's going to be dangerous, a climate activist dies, and he said that it doesn't matter. He just can't stand by and do nothing. How has a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old's life been affected by climate change in such a – impactful way it's brainwashing and this is exactly how it relates back to what we talked about the first part of the show it's that demoralization process of creating of separating from their traditional leaders and creating self-doubt anxiety fear and then stepping in and saying you can follow us here's what you can do to stop it  … to stop this catastrophe from coming. This is that process playing out right in front of us on the world stage, and they're targeting children just like he was talking about. You educate uh, a generation of young people to believe these things, and then they will think that you're not allowed to question it. You put any contrary fact in front of them, and you cannot question it just like he was talking about when we were talking about the brainwashing in the first part of the show. This is what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean that – and they believe it and how did she get brainwashed that's a question yeah right there. exactly
0: and see people like her because she has either she has risen to kind of i guess the face of this movement for whatever reason i don't know her background but it's going it's not going to be her or the people controlling her that are purged or suffer when this quote equality is given it's going to be this 10-year-old this 13-year-old who has been putting themselves on the line and Putting themselves in dangerous situations, sacrificing their relationships, and what never going to school, never learning—like not going to school, but never learning—like you know how to be a kid, how to live, how to be self-productive and an entrepreneur. Well,
1: that's that's the scandal of war, generally. Yeah, is that these ivory tower cowards send drafted teens to fight foreign wars that have nothing to do with? Defending our constitution. Yeah,
0: as soon as they get out of like line, they they'll say. get purged. They'll get purged, yeah. just like he was talking about in the first half of the show. There's one more clip here, which puts a button on all of this and relates it back to Stacey Abrams and a bow. Yeah, a nice bow. Bow, bow's better than button.
1: A button makes me feel like something's going to explode.
0: <laughs> and this is the lawyer speaking again.
4: One of the most important demands that I just want to say that the youth are calling for all over the world which we can do at the next election is to reduce the voting age to 16 is to have <laughs> a, a presence by under 21s at every conference both to bear witness as well as to give voice uh, we need to have much more uh, robust and new ways of thinking to give legal standing for future generations and i don't mean ones down in 2030 i mean the generation that's born now
1: under-21s, how many of those people are totally self-sufficient paying for themselves, and their parents should rein that in and say, you do that stuff, I'm not paying another penny for any of your, yeah. your apartment, for your tuition, for nothing.
0: This is how you rewrite history. This is how you prevent historical knowledge from getting into a conversation and experience is you prevent – you put people who are really young in power, and there was questions in that panel discussion where people were asking, do you think that we should have – that might have been what she was responding to. Do you think that we should have committees where people who are over 40 should not be allowed to be in them? So they were talking about excluding people of a certain age, and the reason is because they're going to bring that historical knowledge that they want to wipe clean. They want to memory hole it so that they can program these kids, mind control these kids – into these Marxist Leninist values that Yuri was talking about.
1: This is very similar to certainly parallels, uh, no doubt inspired by the 60s where yeah. they took the drafted. The, those kids were being drafted. So it didn't they weren't like nothing had nothing to do and were looking for activism. They were being drafted and they did not want to go. So they were like, "I'm going to die over there, or I'm going to die right here." But I am, I am fighting back. And then, and then you got that whole thing where the guys in the suits who were deathly afraid of communism were sending these kids to die halfway around the world. And you get people like Muhammad Ali saying, "I, I have no beef with that guy. I'm not yeah. doing this." Yeah. So you had real dynamics where an older generation. You know, I actually think that this stuff was put into motion in order to separate the generations, not that the generations separated after that because of this folly. I think it was, I think there's evidence that it was fomented for this reason. I mean, I almost wonder, well, I'm not going to get too conspiratorial, but, but anyway, but th- that at least was. Plausible. This, it's simply a psychological operation where you simply, like you said, there's not – these kids don't aren't actually being affected by it. They have to be terrified into believing it by a constant stream of scare propaganda, fear porn.
0: Yeah, and like you said, they'll jump on board because they, they want to participate. They want to be part of the group. You said your yeah, daughter so- was –
1: yeah, poor poor kids in Mexico probably are doing it for actual benefit. Yeah. But my daughter, yes, yeah, she feels like it's hard to fit in in high school yeah. and she doesn't she wants to fit in and I don't blame her. As long as she keeps her head about her and remembers how to think sometime in the future, I'm okay with it and I try not to come down on her and get her brain back into thinking my way, I don't care. I want her to be a free thinker. She won't. She's not ready for that, but she eventually, I hope.
0: People should be outraged that they're targeting children for this type of stuff. They shouldn't be, I mean, encouraging it. They're not thinking about, they're like, they're thinking about, it. yeah, kids deserve rights and the power of whatever, because the way they frame it, they started off with the context of – they, they get you at the emotional hook. They say these kids experienced a mass shooting. Therefore, they deserve to have a say. Therefore, they should run for office. Therefore, they should be in power. Before you know it, you're far removed from that initial event, and you're just promoting let's get 10-year-olds in office. Let's get 10-year-olds to propagate our messages. This is not a healthy thing. This is child exploitation. That's
1: true. Yeah, you, that is true. It's not healthy, and – So much is not these screens and it's coming through the screens directly. It's so much like the matrix. I'm watching the matrix again and it's like from 1999. I've seen it so many times, but not in a long time. And I I mean, you're just getting jacked in right to your brain. (laughs) It's so funny. And I'm telling you, I really think they're destroying their eyes and ears. Nobody really talks about that. I think they're actually like, don't care that this generation is going to have, possibly such vision and ear problems that they will accept those digital implants.
0: Edward Bernays talked about, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm pulling a Biden, not doing the straight straight facts, but he talks about in propaganda, he's giddy with excitement, thinking about the potential future of radio and cinema and the propaganda power that it holds <laughs> and how propagating your message, your agenda will be like being – you can be in every room in the country whispering your message in the ear of every American all at one time. It's wow. With well, with excitement thinking about
1: that. This thing I read from 2000 where – from the Army War College where he said it's just so much easier in the digital space to – to manipulate people, psyops propaganda, he said were synonyms. And yeah. then the whole Cass Sunstein thing said like physical meeting places where you have to send agents in there. They're so it's so much harder for them to pull it off. They're so much more easily detected. If we could just he didn't say it exactly like this, but it's very clear this was the connection to be made from what he was saying that you put everybody in the in the digital world and And they're very, very easy to manipulate. There's no – it's poker face all the way because there's no face at all. And then I think the final step is Jigsaw and their AI and how do you – how do you detect sarcasm in comments? And
0: before you know it, the killer robots think it's hilarious to murder humanity like we talked about a while ago. Oh,
1: so – When I was watching The Matrix again, it reminded me of the Terminator. The the machines, it was the humans versus the machines. Mm -hmm. In both of those, if not more. And then there was something somebody sent me from, it was from The Intercept, so who knows why it was there, but it was like a Department of Defense thing where they have this five-minute video. It looks like a training video for new recruits, and it just talks about we need the military because cities are going to be absolute pants! like the pictures we were seeing of the bahamas reminded me of the pictures that were in this thing and they they were saying that there would be subterranean tunnel societies or something just like every dystopian sci-fi movie i'd ever seen well
0: darpa was just trying to was asking people if they if they can have access to their underground tunnels for like some research that they how
1: many tunnels are there
0: Apparently, there's a lot. A lot?
1: Yeah. There's a lot. Well, there were a lot, I think, in the war in Europe. A lot were built back then. I don't know. But I even in my town, in New York, on the suburbs of, in the suburbs of New York, it was so close to the ocean. Not like I'm not New Jersey Ocean, but like New York City, that they had ramparts or whatever. They had like gun turrets and stuff at Clauslin Mountain. Anybody from New York listening to that? If you go there, there's like tunnels where they were ready for an invasion. Interesting. It was very interesting. But the one thing I wanted to say about the machines, oh, yeah. So so this is the dystopian image that they're giving us. And I'm wondering why, if it's a metaphor, allegory, something like... So all the zombie stuff, I think, is for when they want us to... You know, human beings to kill other human beings. I think that's what they're softening us up for. Or even just the military to... Kill people. I don't know. That's why it's better to have like a national force, maybe a force populated mostly by immigrants who know that it's not their family they're killing or something like that. Even just swap the armies like they when the North American Union, like the Mexican and American U.S. uh, forces like interact or work together. It's kind of scary when you think about it that way. But, but what would it? Could it be an allegory for like the singularity thing? Like the people who are worthy of cyborgs, cyborgness, or something? Like the elites is the machine class, or were they just terrifying us of machines? Or I don't know, something to it. Something to they're it definitely
0: trying to turn themselves into cyborgs. There is no doubt about that. I've seen some a lot of science papers about people experimenting with that type of stuff. I think terrifying us is definitely a major part of it, but who knows all of the news that we have been not all of it but we've seen these this thematic propaganda comes in themes and they prepare people to be outraged and to care nobody really cares about climate change because it does not personally affect them and they talk about and propaganda papers how you have to and specifically with climate change how can we make people care about climate change so that we can compel them to action so that we can get them to get off the couch as though climate change were were a chicken sandwich and that evil Chick-fil-A w- were existed you know how can we make them do what Popeyes <laughs> enabled uh, all these people to wait in line for and The One way to do it is they use these various appeals to scare people. They brainwash children. They link it to climate change is killing your dog. Climate change hurricanes are killing people, are killing people that look like you, that sound like you, are threatening your homes. Climate change is causing health concerns in your environment. It's causing smog in your environment. So they just throw all these different types of appeals to these different segments of society, identity politics being a major one, and then they have the different candidates come out there and represent those different appeals to the different audiences that they most identify with. So they're all going to be saying the same thing tonight. They're just going to be using slightly different language and making slightly different appeals that is going to – that is designed to most powerfully engage this audience that has been conditioned over the past month to care about climate change. We'll hear about the Amazon, which we, you know, the lungs of the world, which we <laughs> forgot about. about. about it. It'll come back tonight. It'll be there tonight.
1: But here's the thing that kind of scares me is that I believe that the the climate change thing, I, I'm just not buying their their story. It came comes right out of the report from Iron Mountain that you need Like an environmental catastrophe would be the one thing that would justify in people's minds a global government, but that they couldn't like deliberately pollute because they would get caught and just – it was very weird. But anyway, so they do this other thing, I guess. So the solar radiation management – let's say they don't even do it yet, right? So the chemtrails that you think you see aren't really chemtrails, not really solar radiation management or any of that but they oh there are there is plenty of documentation on solar radiation management which they say they hope to conduct if they can get buy into it because of climate change and what it is is it looks a lot like what comes out of the back of an airplane right now that spreads across the sky in this like milky sheath so the thing that i so they, they want an excuse for some reason to spray this stuff all over the earth, basically. It's everywhere. Like in France, it was everywhere. And I said to the tour guide, I was like, the sky looks insane. And she was like, yeah, that's just the airplanes. And I said, do, do you remember when you were younger? Airplanes didn't do that. Why do they do it now? She's like, oh, I, I don't know. It's I cloud-making
0: like, technology.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's not even supposed to be that. But my point is that they're so... So really if they're really trying to reflect the sunlight back up into the into the space it will chill down the earth which is not actually a good thing. Yeah. And so I'm reading this thing the white earth effect at Armstrong Economics and it's it's like terrifying because it's it just says that if it was it was white like that you know when I see the picture of the white earth it reminds me of like when it looks like when they Put that just thin layer of white over or whatever when when airplane exhaust dissipates into the air into a thin layer of white that reflects the sunlight, it makes me fear that it, it will be bad, not good. Sometimes it's too hot.
0: I think that about wraps it up. Thank you for your insights and your time. And
1: <laughs> I think I was a little slow on the uptake today. I did not get enough sleep last night, but it was it was been very Educational, engaging, and amusing. So, thank you.
0: That was interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And anybody who, everybody who's donated to us, who's helped us out in various ways. Thank you for all your support and your continued support. Be sure and check out our daily show, the Drive Time Prop, which drops at four PM every day at propagandareport.com dot com or uh, favorite podcasting platform in the Propaganda Report feed. Anybody who wants to donate or help us out in any way, you can do so via PayPal or Patreon, or you can share the show you know, with your friends.
1: A few people did. Uh, contribute more because of the daily show, which I have to say, I really appreciate in that it takes a lot of time and effort and, uh, just a little babysitting money can go a long way. So we will keep it going if it, if it makes sense. So thank you very much to all the Patreons and other people who have contributed to the cause.
0: Thank you very much. And we will talk to y'all tomorrow.